welcome back everyone this is quest for you i'm janine this is my podcast to motivate you inspire you and to give you ideas on how to discover your best self and today i bring you another amazing interview laura my good friend and a very important person for me because through laura i have discovered the power of speaking and not just speaking but speaking as a way of connecting and you will find some great gems in this interview and Laura even talks about gems as a strategy so pay attention to the gems we talk a lot about Laura's passion for speaking her unique ability to think and speak on her toes which she learned throughout her career and which now serves her as a career coach. She also shares a very unique morning practice. And it's very interesting. I find that a lot of the people that I interview have shared this with me. They have a very specific practice that gets them ready for the day, but it also helps them connect with themselves. And Laura speaks about that in detail. I also loved speaking with Laura about being resourceful. This is something that I sometimes still struggle with. I often take failure very personal and she talks about a big failure she's had in her life, but how it fueled her to become resourceful and to turn it into something positive. And we talk about a passion we both have, and that is dogs. You will actually hear Otis her dog in the beginning because just as we sat down to talk Otis decides to eat and he ate for quite a while so the noise that you hear in the beginning that is Otis and sometimes in between you hear him he's an amazing dog and Laura talks about importance of dogs in her life and how dogs have helped her to be more present and more connected I hope you enjoyed this interview and I hope I can bring you many more. If you feel like you have a quest story that you would like to share with me, drop me a note. Maybe I can interview you. So far, I've been doing all my interviews in person. I'm actually heading out again this weekend to meet another friend in San Francisco. It's exciting. I learned so much, not just about the person, but also things that people do that helps them, commonalities, but also ideas that I can adopt for my life. So I'm really inspired by these interviews and I hope you can share my joy and my passion. So here we go, Laura Paradise and find her information in the show notes for this podcast. And we're jumping right in. So here we go. Talk to you soon. Hi, Laura. Hi, Janine. <laughs> Thank you for making time for me today. My pleasure. I want to start with how we met each other, which is through Toastmasters. A lot of some good connections in my life and friendships have come from Toastmasters. And I have to say, when I first heard you speak and or I do not remember if it was an evaluation that you did when I first saw you or if you spoke but either way, both your speaking and your evaluation inspired me. And I almost want to think that that's where I aspire to be 
a better speaker because I saw you speak and I thought, oh, one day I will speak like Laura. <laughs> I know, I know. But, um, and, and specifically what I want to point out is your ability for impromptu speeches. People that don't know Toastmasters, there is a section in Toastmasters where you come up and you're just given something, a phrase, a sentence, a question, and you impromptu, you're not prepared, and you have to speak. And you always do this so well. So I'm curious, have you always had this ability to speak so well? Or did you learn it and how? I don't really know quite where I learned how to be a good impromptu speaker, but... It's really something that I love. And you may know that I used to be a lobbyist. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about being a lobbyist is you have to get yourself in the door and you have to make an impression on somebody and you have to do it right away. And so imagine yourself, you're in the halls of Congress, you have congressmen from all 50 states, which means they have all different kinds of perspectives and values and interests and you're just one little person, and I was representing, sorry about that, <laughs> environmental <laughs> programs and uh, poverty programs, which means I did not have a very moneyed constituency. And what I began to do was I began to think every time I was going to meet with somebody, how can I connect with them? And how can I, obviously, how can I connect with them quickly? And almost all of what lobbying is, is a combination of pitching and developing a relationship and also in the moment building rapport quickly, quickly, mm -hmm. quickly. And the stakes can be pretty high since what you're trying to do is you're trying to get support or money for whatever the program is you're working on. So I feel like that's just one example of this kind of way that I think about always, how can I connect with someone? How can I choose something that's going to be interesting to them or meaningful to them? Mm -hmm. And kind of like, what's the gem? What's the nugget? What's the thing? Like, it, it's sort of like, what's your subject line in a, you know, email? That's something I'm always paying attention to. And I think some of it is an innate ability to listen in a particular way. And some of it is really also this this learning about, okay, I chose that thing to start with and that captured their interest and mm -hmm. how do I go with it? So was it trial and error at the beginning? Uh, I guess that's true. It's a, It feels like it, there's a sensing that's really happening. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, kind of you're scanning your audience and you're looking for uh, how did that land? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but mm -hmm. yeah, of course, always trying things. You touched on this word connecting. I think you got this ability to mm -hmm. connect with people. And that's so interesting. This comes out in a lot of my interviews, this, mm. this power of connection with mm -hmm. people. It's a, I think for me, this was a very hard skill to learn. I, I learned it from people like you and others. I, I am naturally an extrovert, so mm. I think that... It's easy for me to talk to people. Uh, a little bit of a something I say, and it's not entirely a joke, is that I had a dog since the age of two. And 
you know, dogs are extremely sensitive and empathic. And I, you know, like a little toddler, I imprinted on the dog. And I really think I watched how the dog responded to people, you know, and I had a, my dog, you know, it's like if someone was angry, the dog was, you know, like barked. And, you know, if someone was sad, the dog obviously, you know, they came closer. And I realized as an older person, you know, my mannerisms are kind of reflect the dog. It's like I said that word before, sensing. I'm paying attention on a, mm -hmm. really, it's on an emotional level and I think truly on an energetic level. Like we know, we know when somebody's tense or we know when someone's open. Mm -hmm. uh, so I try also to like kind of mirror that energy sometimes. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. There was, and I can't remember exactly, but you remember when we went hiking once with the dogs? Yeah. You told me in a story about a phone call. You had to you had to make a phone call and convince somebody. Do you remember that story? It's, I just stuck with me that that's what you gave me that story as an example where you had to convince somebody of something and I was so impressed but I cannot remember details. Well, I um people talk about this idea of calling You call someone that you admire, you know, it's like you think, oh, who are these people that, you know, you really, if you could meet anyone, you could, you know, talk to. Maybe it was a speech. I think you gave a speech. I gave a speech about making cold calls. Okay. And I, so I have always done work that connected to my values. And, you know, as I said, I was an environmental lobbyist and um, worked on a lot of environmental justice and poverty and different issues. And... I was going through a period where I was looking for a job and I started, this is truly, this is true. I was looking at my bookshelf, you know, and I was thinking, okay, who are these people that I admire? And, and I had a number of people. I and mean, the truth of the matter is I, I called all of them. <laughs> so The authors of the books. Yes, I called all the authors of the books. And not at the same time, but it was, I started thinking... I've always admired, one of them anyway, was a MacArthur Genius Award. Okay, that's, so I could tell you the, uh, I mean, they weren't, they were famous people. And the MacArthur Genius uh, Award, she was somebody who was a kind of a futurist and worked on global issues. And I, she happened to also, I know, be geographically not, you know, she was several hundred miles from me, so not so far. And I thought, well, somebody, you know, they've won this award. They have the money. They need an assistant. And, um, and back then, you know, it's like not only did I call, but actually they put me right through to her, which shocked me. Uh -huh. uh, so that talk about thinking on your feet. Yes. All of a sudden I was talking to this woman, and I had to introduce myself. I had to tell her enough about who I was so that she would think, okay, this is a person I might have a conversation with. And then I even had to remember what is it I'm going to really ask her. And it was such an incredible, I mean, you know, it was a really exhilarating experience. I, I didn't know I did not get a job. Uh, but, but I learned a lot about, it is that power of thinking quickly about what's important to say and also you have to go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you just have to go for it. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah. So there is also this fear of rejection that you then have mastered. That you're not afraid to be rejected, which I am always, <laughs> if I do something like that. Yeah. I do, certainly don't like being rejected. I feel like a lot of excitement about making connection. And I do feel, this telling you the story, I feel like, you know, I did, I did have a conversation with somebody that was someone that I admired. And, and I can tell you, you know, like a half dozen people like that that mm -hmm. I did. And rejection is, you know, you, it's like, there, what are the odds that you get any job? Or, you know, like, it's, it's somewhat even random. So, no, I don't really worry about rejection. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a word for me that I really like and I use in my coaching practice is gems. You know, and I feel like there's always a gem. You know, so it's like there's a gem in what somebody tells you. There's a gem in the way a person tells a story. You know, so there's a gem in that experience even you know and it maybe it isn't even about the conversation maybe it's like oh I learned something about how to make that cold call mm. but as you know as long as I've been coaching I always ask people I do a lot of groups and I have an interview club and so when I, I ask people when they're giving feedback to listen for gems mm -hmm. and a gem means uh, it could be a phrase it could be the way somebody lit up when they were talking about something. It could be what you learned about the person, you know. Oh, she's got a, you know, kind of daring and boldness or, you know, humor. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's always a gem. And then to use that gem to have a, to connect with that person? Uh, I say the gems, what I used to do is I used to tell people, put the gems in your pocket You know, it's like, take them with you on an interview. So, you know, you remember somebody really saw that light in me or somebody heard that, uh -huh. you know. Uh, it's a, These are reminders and reinforcement that you really have value in and, uh, and someone else heard it or saw it. And maybe you use it to, shape, you know, sharpen your story mm -hmm. to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. So speaking of your interview club, yeah. you are now... Uh, interview coach is that how would you would call yourself personal coach to help with interviewing skill well I'm a career coach, career coach and interviewing skills are really a strength of mine mm -hmm. and a focus so now uh, I'd say for anyway four or five years I've been offering a twice a month workshop where people learn and practice interview skills and My interview club is better than most things that are, I just, not to be too braggy, but it's better than mock interviewing because I really want to find ways for people to be natural and energized and authentic and skillful when they're interviewing. So I do improv, I do things with storytelling, I do um, play with metaphor, maybe movement, It's not a typical mock interview mm -hmm. process. And I really want people to have a lot of different ways of experimenting with telling interview stories and talking about themselves. It's been very effective. What brought you to your current career from lobbying and other things that mm -hmm. you've done? How did you land with career coaching? I think you know this Story. I was when I, I came to California about 25 years ago and 
So I moved cross country for a job and I only knew one person here in California, my brother. And about six months after I moved to California, the organization that I came to work for actually shut down. And it was very political. Uh, so I was a casualty of this thing. And um, yeah, so here I was. I didn't know anybody, mm-hmm. really. And I started looking for a job and I did it in a very typical, you know, applying for jobs. And I was getting interviewed, but I was not getting hired. And part of what I realized later was, well, you know, I was not known to people here. So people kept, they, I would be the second choice for a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They wanted people who knew California, environmental policy and so on. So it's a little bit like what I said about the cold calling. I just started really working on how to get make connections with people. And I volunteered and I made many cold calls and I did short-term things. And I, I just, I got really, really smart about how to make connections and how to I get in the door and get interviewed. And I will say I'm I've had many, many interviews, I've had many job offers, and I really felt almost this kind of um, satisfaction with navigating the job market. And so over these years, I've done many different things, and I've had, I've had several careers. And so when I decided I was going to become a coach, careers really seemed a very natural focus for me because they allow me to use those skills and also like I have a lot of skill around communication and Mm -hmm. what I was saying about things like pitching. Mm -hmm. So it's like I have a lot of faith in my ability to help somebody communicate who they are and to really bring that forward in a job search. I want to ask you a little bit about failure. Is that coming here, moving all the way from the East Coast across the country for six months and losing your job? Mm -hmm. Did you think of this as failure or did you think of this as opportunity? Because it obviously became very resourceful and you immediately went to work and cold calling and Oh, I don't don't I don't want to overstate it. It's like I don't think about for me failure is a nod. That's not the framework that I use. I mean in truth, you know, I was pretty unhappy. I mean yeah. quite unhappy with you know, being this unknown and having to figure out what am I going to do? And what I was looking for was, you know, what are the, what can I, what can I use to be a driver for making the, you know, like getting myself out of this crummy situation, you know, nobody wants to be without a job. And, and I, so I just don't want to sugarcoat it. You know, Mm -hmm. it was not a happy time. Uh, What I did do, though, was I really, you know, it's like I really looked at, like, what are my strengths? So, you know, when I said, you know, I volunteered, it's like I knew I was a good writer and I was a fundraiser. So I did, you know, various things that I where I could use some of my skills Mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to be productive. I didn't want to be sitting around. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is, is my, you know, it's like, my values and what I do for work are so aligned that it's like I would I decided I'm just going to keep looking for things that connect with what's important to me Mm -hmm. so the truth is I understand how much work it takes 
including, you know, work of motivation to keep on track at times like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that I think that helps in coaching. And I understand also that we need to have some things that truly, they're tools we can use um, to take, you know, to take action. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't think I was a failure. I, uh, that, that's, that's true. I did not. I felt more like I've got a puzzle. I have to figure it out. Good. The reason I ask is a lot of people, I mean, I, I'm the person that kind of, mm. I've lost a job once and I, mm. it was hard. Yeah. I mean, I, it, of course you go to work, you immediately try to figure out what you need to do because it's your livelihood, but it kind of, it affects the ego a little bit, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. 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 Career coach. Yeah. You obviously really good at it. I read your newsletter, which is something I will recommend to my audience to start subscribing to your newsletter just because it's so it's a lot of detail in there. It's very authentic. You mentioned the word authenticity. Mm-hmm. I think that reflects in who you are. It reflects in your newsletter. It reflects in what you do, I think. You value authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I've always when I had job interviews that's the one skill I always try to maintain. I want to be myself. Faking it is not my thing. What do you see next for yourself? Do you feel career coaching is where you want to be? Where do you? Where else do you see yourself going? I suppose for years I've been thinking about doing more to support people with, it's really with authentic expression and to put together my brand of, speaking workshops so for quite a long time I've been using movement storytelling improv um, even different kinds of visual arts as ways of helping people to find different different avenues into really into expression and also into like strengthening things like listening skills. So, you know, everybody knows that the greatest percentage of how we communicate comes through body language and voice and breath and obviously things like gestures. Very uh, That's the clearest way to see it. But I would like to put together workshops that really use more a kind of a deeper way of thinking about the body and movement and energy mm-hmm. and expression. Uh, and I've done a little bit of experimenting with it in the interview club. It's always mm-hmm. been um, interesting. I think it's worked pretty well. Uh, so my hope is to do some speaking workshops with people. And I, I was thinking this morning about what I was going to call it because I like the idea of people having almost like a laboratory. I don't, I, I'm not interested in people having like this really refined speaking, but much more of how do you really experience, you know, like a fuller expression or, you know, more dynamic or I don't know, like that we play a bit more. Yeah. Do you see it as a way to tell a story? It's a form of storytelling interviewing public oh, presenting a speech or almost everything we do is telling stories True. and uh you know and and i i often say in the you know interview club it's like when you're being interviewed you're really a storyteller yeah. 
And I think that that is a very helpful way to approach interviewing instead of thinking of yourself as being you know, someone on a <laughs> who's being evaluated by some panel mm-hmm. and that you're just, you know, nobody wants to really hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speaking, you know, I think storytelling is a piece of what I imagine will come into the way that I do the speaking workshops. Yeah, it's an element of it, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. I look forward to that. Yeah. Because... I think, so I went through this public speaking program and a lot of it is about rehearsal. Mm. Very staged, very practice, practice, practice. And that's one thing I've been good at always. I've always studied hard and memorized things. I can do that. The thing that I'm not good at, like I mentioned before, is the impromptu. Mm -hmm. But so much about speaking is the impromptu part Mm -hmm. because there's interruptions, there's suddenly maybe an idea that comes to mind there is also this tuning in with your audience and see where they are because you may want to shift gears while you're speaking and that is I feel it's a skill they call in in coaching my coaching training there they had this phrase dancing in the moment oh yeah and that's really you know all of us need to be able to dance or we're served by dancing in the moment Mm -hmm. so absolutely it's like you asked me about learning this impromptu speaking that's so much of oh I'm looking out at my audience and I see I see something you know I see some kind of expression or you know I notice somebody even maybe not paying attention and maybe I decide to use that instead of being triggered by it you Mm -hmm. know it's like that I say well you know you all might be thinking this is nothing new but in fact, you know, here's something about it that's important. Or, you know, what do you do when somebody in the audience is looking like, you know, they're going to go to sleep? Right. Uh, so, you know, sometimes stepping into it, you know, a little bit. And also taking a risk. <laughs> I'm not a perfectionist. And in fact, I really, I don't like the idea of a very well-rehearsed speech that I'm sure I have things to learn about being a better rehearser but I think if we're too shaped and memorized then we miss the opportunity to bring more you know different pieces of life and creativity interesting into a speech so I I think that's why I would like to have sort of a play shop type mm-hmm. approach mm-hmm. yeah mm, I like the idea I'm gonna go out a little bit on a limb here but okay. you went from lobbying bigger causes and Big things with big people. Now you're here coaching people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. What what makes you most happy? Where do you what's your happy place? <laughs> in in work in, or in life? <laughs> I think both. In, in in terms of what you do, because I feel like you are pursuing your passion. Mm-hmm. You are doing what makes you happy. You wouldn't do coaching one-on-one with people right. if that wasn't something that also personally you enjoy. Well, there's a, I guess there is really kind of a commonality. I mean, what makes me most happy is really a depth of uh, experience. So, you know, as a coach, I feel incredibly gifted to have really profound interactions with people through the course of a day. And what I learn about people, also what I'm able to help people 
learn about themselves. The boat, you know, that's an amazing, amazing um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we don't tend to have such rich conversations, you know, regularly. So that feels very special to me. And I was, uh, you know, a little bit hesitant, you know, what is the highlight of my day? I really, as much as I'm outgoing, really a very introspective person. So one of the things that I believe in is having a practice of some sort and a practice that's really a way of being in touch with yourself. I've now for many years had a practice that involves movement and drawing and writing. Mm. It's really this it's a way of being able to like sense sense really into what's here, what's present. And without any intention beyond witnessing myself. So it's like I'm not creating a beautiful piece of art, or well, maybe it seems beautiful, but a lot of times it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not making a beautiful dance. I'm not writing something profound. All of it maybe has wisdom in it, but it's really about who's here and what's here. And even there, there's some crossover, I suppose, to the coaching, which is always looking at like, well, who's here and what's happening now? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like a, a ritual? like a It is a ritual. Mm-hmm. Journaling? You so journal? it starts with movement. I do, you can, pe- people can Google this. There's something called authentic movement, which is a type of um, body-mind practice where you move with only no accompaniment. You just move with your eyes closed and I witness myself, and then I, whatever happens is the movement, and then I mm, kind of reflect what I've experienced in a drawing, and -hmm. the drawing is very, it's a gestalt kind of thing, very, just a few minutes, and then I usually write about what I, whatever, what the experience was. That's very unique. I've never... I've never heard of such a practice. Mm-hmm. And I've, I listen to podcasts. And, <laughs> okay. You know, this is like the thing now. Everybody has a, a ritual, a morning practice. Yeah. And yeah. yoga, meditation is the thing. Journaling, mm-hmm. you know, morning pages. Right. But I, this, is very, this is very unique. I like that because it connects all the pieces. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. take your movement, then you express it. Yeah. And, and I name it, I suppose, in a way the writing right. names it. And what, what do you feel the greatest benefit of this is? What, what does it give you? Well, part, I mean, I think the greatest benefit is really is allowing some space for me to know myself. Huh. Yeah. And also, it's uh, here's a thing that people may not think about so much, but it's like it's a space for imagination and also for imperfection. You know, certainly it's like if we think about something like drawing – Many people will say, oh, I don't know, you know, I can't draw and I'm terrible and I hate art or whatever it is. And the drawing that I do, it's a, the drawing is purpose is simply to support what's there. And I don't expect it to be good. I find when I do my morning, whatever practice I do, I, I sometimes walk away with ideas. Mm-hmm. I get very inspired. Mm-hmm. Does it? Do that for you that you suddenly, especially you're expressing yourself creatively, do you walk away with, oh, I have an idea. I want to try this. Some, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of times it, it's really just for me um, without any, you know, it's like it won't be something that 
is a seed of an idea. On the other hand, spend like every day I walk my dog also, you know, so a lot of times on that walk, I will think about how I can connect with someone Mm -hmm. through writing usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing I would say just is, I've been writing about this a little bit. I think this whole idea of having a practice and it's key. Let's say, you know, you're doing some kind of career exploration. I think having a practice, you know, it's like, especially something like a writing practice that is a place both to really muse about who you are and what's important to you, but also I think can be a space to, you know, what I'm longing for or who I, you know, who I want to work with or what I want my work to be for myself, that having some space with perhaps with some prompts, but nonetheless a regular space to go outside the head and to express and to use also imagination, heart and imagination. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's really, really important. And all too often, people are kind of putting themselves in a box. I have to do the right thing. I have to say it the right way. You know, my career will be a failure if I don't do that Mm -hmm. step or that job. And I think every one of us who's had hiccups and, you know, things that didn't work out knows that, no, you know, it's not the end of the world and that we need to keep finding ways back to ourselves. Uh, and I think really having a, some practices mm-hmm. and some space to think about what you might want or even puzzle about it, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't know. We don't know sometimes. We often don't know what we want. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, we pursue maybe something that, you know, we think we should do because we've studied it. And I notice, for example, too, that when I really analyze my career and what I do professionally, there's certain things that I like about. For example, one thing is problem solving. I like solving problems. Mm. But that's a skill I can apply in many different ways. So... I sometimes look at just job openings and read and I just imagine myself like, what if I did that? What if I worked for a nonprofit and and helped people with housing or something? That's a problem solving. And that would address so many other things I would like to do. I think the career search thing to me is, is, is a fascinating topic. It's fascinating in the sense we're kind of, we, we have to, yeah. find a career because we need to live and we need to pay our bills but it's also an opportunity to be someone we maybe always wanted to be we mm-hmm. just don't know it yet mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I mean is it is it why are careers so hard mm-hmm. you know it's I think it's because we really have our identities are connected to what we do for work mm-hmm. so and you know we have all kinds of mythology about what we're supposed to do as well And I I suppose what I was going to say also about a practice is that when you make space for that kind of like, what am I imagining or what do I want or what do I like or what do I hate? Sometimes we get beneath those layers to like, oh, but I've always been interested in that. Or I like you said, where do you know what happens? There's like, there could be a seed of something there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't uncover it if we kept staying on the surface or kept it in our heads so right i think that's a great place to end okay. as I, I love 
all the advice. Thank you so much. <laughs> I think people listening can take a lot of things away from this. And I will link to your website in my show notes. Is there any place else you want people to go to find you? I think if people are, if people really want to work on their interview skills or also speaking skills, they should put those words in their search because the interview club will come up. Uh, yeah, in it's the on Bay your area. website. You have yeah. a link there. Yeah. How often is it? Once a month? Twice a month. Twice a month. Yeah. Speaking will happen in 2020. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Laura. My Appreciate pleasure. It. <laughs>